We live in a culture that defines truth mainly by how we see things. It's very subjective, but is there objective truth, and why does truth matter? We're going to talk about it this morning with Dr. Jeff Myers. He has written the book, Truth Changes Everything. Dr. Jeff Myers is president of Summit Ministries, a Colorado-based nonprofit organization that equips and supports the rising generation to embrace God's truth and champion a biblical worldview. And good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Deb. Hi, Ken. Hi. Thanks for taking the time to visit with us, Jeff. All right. So what's the deal? How did this get started? Why write this book, Jeff? Well, it seems there's a battle between two understandings of truth. We have truth, capital T, mm-hmm. which is that truth can be found. It's not always easy. We have to train ourselves. We have to want to find it. But then the other view, the more common view today, is the small t truths idea. So instead of seeking the truth, people today talk about speaking your truth. Mm. And it sounds just like, oh, well, this is an American thing to do, you know, speak your truth, bro, kind of mm-hmm. sort of thinking. But the truth is, they're all, the only civilizations that have ever survived are the ones who understood there is such a thing as truth that we all acknowledge, that draws us together, that allows us to be mentally healthy, and allows us to actually change the world. So that's why I wrote the book. I just wanted to tell stories of people who've been in really tough situations, far worse than our own civilization, and because they believe that Jesus is the truth, they turn things around in science, art, education, justice, even divisive areas like politics. Mm. Mm. So give us an example. Yeah. (laughs) Well, one of my favorites actually is is from politics. I spoke to an audience recently, and I said, okay, now we're going to talk about how Jesus followers change politics. Everyone in the audience groaned. Oh, are you serious? I said, no, I'm not trying to get you to choose sides here. I just want you to understand the fact that we have the kind of political system we have where people have a voice is a legacy of Jesus followers. So, for example, you can go all the way back to Samuel Rutherford, lived in the 1600s, and he he wrote a little book called Lex Rex, which uh, from Latin to English means the law is the king. Mm. Up until that point in time, people had said, no, the king is the law. Whatever the king decides is right is what is right. The king decides it's okay to murder someone, then it must be okay because the king is the law. Mm. And Samuel Rutherford said, no, if you look at the Bible, the king is the natural heir of Adam, and so are all the rest of us. So the king has to follow the law like everyone else. And of course, the king was furious with this. He sent his soldiers to go arrest Samuel Rutherford. He wanted to bring him to Parliament, give him a fair trial, and then hang him, as they say. Hmm. And uh, Rutherford died uh, before the soldiers arrived. His final words were, I have been summoned by a higher authority. Wow. And by then, the horse was out of the barn. The king could no longer say, I'm the one in charge. You know, the founders of the United States said that, that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that government exists to secure these rights. Secure them from whom? Not from other people who are in government, not from a king, not from a president, but from God. God gives us our rights. The government at best secures them. And so we've lived with this kind of tradition that's brought blessing to the nations of the earth because of a Jesus follower who wrote a little book that really irritated a king. Mm. Wow, very cool. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I know there's a lot of people today that feel like they might be a little discouraged because people are saying, well, your truth is your truth and my truth is my truth. And uh, 
encourage them a little bit today so that they can have hope and really stand firm with what is the truth? You know, I think the best encouragement that I, that I can give is to understand, uh, as, as a believer, I, I recognize that truth exists, and it's not just a mathematical formula. It's not just a logical proposition. It's a person. It's Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, if you follow my teachings, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, the Greek word for truth there, aletheia, means reality. If we want to know reality, if we want to be set free, we have to know reality. And and psychiatrists will tell you this. If you're struggling with an addiction or anything else, the very first thing you've got to do is grapple with reality as it actually is. Hmm. So I think as Christians, we can do that in a unique way because we can tell people, look, uh, the truth really exists, and it's very personal. It's truth and relationship always combined together because the truth is a person. It's Jesus. And that's what changed the world in the past, and it still can today. But the biggest thing we've got to do is say, I'm going to stand up for what's true, but I'm going to do it not just by bashing heads with you. I'm going to do it by walking alongside of you. Let's discover truth together, and let's see if we can not only make our own lives better, but make other people's lives better. Mm-hmm. So, Jeff, I read an article recently about how people don't care about the facts anymore. <laughs> That, that that really doesn't change people's minds. So then how do you have a conversation about truth if they're not open to what is true, <laughs> what the facts? Well, you know, Deb, that's a, it's a great question. And I, I usually start with a little three-step process. I start with science. Can we agree that there are any scientific facts? If we're going to get on an airplane and fly from New York to London, can we agree that we need to take enough fuel for a 3,000-mile journey? Um, if, can we agree that water at sea level boils at 212 degrees Fahrenheit? Mm-hmm. And most people will say, okay, sure, I get that. Say, All right, well, what about historical facts? Can we agree that Martin Luther King was shot on April 4th, 1968? And it would be unreasonable for someone to say, well, maybe that's true for you, but that's not true for me. <laughs> right. we, we know that's what yeah. happened. And then I ask, and this is the tougher question, do you think there are moral facts? And most people will say, no, no, everybody gets to determine their own morality. And I will say, okay, here are two statements. Statement A, it is always good to care for abandoned puppies. Statement B, it is always good to torture abandoned puppies. Do you see that there is any difference between those two statements? And, of course, people will say, yes, of course, there's a difference between those two statements. Well, that's a moral fact. So if moral fact, if, if scientific facts exist and historical facts exist and moral facts exist, then maybe we can agree that what we should say is not speak your truth, but recognize that people see the truth from different perspectives. We want to get to know one another, but the truth itself doesn't change. We have to learn to train ourselves to see it. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's good. I love that. Talking with Dr. Jeff Myers about truth changes everything, how people of faith can transform the world in times of crisis. And so I'm curious about some of the other um, figures that you highlight in your book and how you chose them, Jeff. Well, I, you know, most of the people in the book I chose because I realized their stories had not been told before. Mm-hmm. There have been lots of Christian biographies, and I wanted this to be a book where people could see people who's, others who are like them, maybe someone who's a musician, 
For example, I told the story of Antonio Vivaldi. He was a he was a priest who was unsuccessful as a priest because he was so consumed with music. Like he would conduct mass and leave right in the middle of mass and go write music and come back and <laughs> be baffled that anyone thought that was inappropriate. <laughs> well, I, he he was given the job of being a conductor for an orphanage. He took young women who had no prospects, no future, no hope, turned them into the finest orchestras and choirs in Europe and gave Mm. them a sense of meaning in their lives, Mm. changed the landscape of music. We now look at Vivaldi as one of the two main composers of the Baroque period, along with Johann Sebastian Bach, who was also a believer. But here's the thing. Vivaldi became a better composer because he was doing it to serve these young women. Mm. He composed 500 concertos that we know of, became one of the most famous composers in history, and he had to compose more because he had so many people to serve. Mm. So when we serve using our gifts, recognizing that Jesus is the truth, it not only helps the people around us, it helps us become different kinds of people. Mm. I love that. So in your book, you also talk about some ways that we can practice speaking up in ways that builds trust with other people. What are some of those things that we can work on? You know, Deb, this started with the conversation I had over breakfast with a friend who just blurted out, did you know that Jesus asked 288 questions in the Gospels? And I said, are you telling me that you counted them? He said, yes, I counted them. Wow. And, uh, but it, it changed my thinking. We've all heard lots of sermons about the teachings of Jesus. Very few have heard a sermon on the questions of Jesus. But in the Gospels, Jesus used questions to connect with people. It wasn't just statements that he made. And we can use questions in a similar way. So if someone says, Oh, I'm just speaking my truth. You know, when you use that term truth, what do you mean by that? You know, how do you know that's that's valid? How do you know that's true? How did you arrive at that conclusion? Somehow asking questions, especially for the young people I work with at Summit Ministries, we do two-week-long programs to prepare them for going to college. Well, they're with their professors who have doctoral degrees and all of this classroom experience it's unlikely that they'll be able to debate the professor in class and be successful, but they can always ask a question. Mm. Professor, can you define the term that you just used? Professor, how do you know Mm. that what you just said is true? Professor, what is the source of that information? Professor, what are the alternative viewpoints that you've considered and rejected in the process of arriving at that conclusion? <laughs> I like that. What were you like in school, Jeff? That's what I want to know. Are you? <laughs> you know, I, I'm one of those fortunate guys who went to a college where my professors loved that sort of thing. Um, uh, not all of them, most right. of them. But, but uh, anyway, it's just important to ask questions. The mm-hmm. questions show that you're curious that you're not just trying to force someone else to believe something, but that you, you're you really on the search for truth, and you'd really love to go alongside of them, because mm. sure it would be a lot more fun that way, yeah. and maybe we can learn something. Yeah. So real quickly, Jeff, if you have somebody that's, we have somebody that's listening this morning, maybe they're going into work today, they've got one of those people in their lives that you know who they are, and they're the ones that are just not nice to be around, but... Mm. You have a heart for them because you know they need Jesus, and you know they have different viewpoints than you do, and you want to strike up a conversation to to talk to them about the truth. And I like your 
pro- approach of doing questions, how would you start a conversation like that, Jeff? Well, if, let's say you're standing around the water cooler. I, I don't know if people actually do that anymore, but <laughs> yeah. it, uh, you've got the, you're standing around the water cooler, and they they make a statement, maybe about some political issue or something like that, or you even the the issues that are that are current. Uh, mm-hmm. We just did a poll about Demar Hamlin. Do people believe that public calls to prayer are effective or pointless? The vast majority of Americans. This will all come out in the next couple of days. Believe that those prayers are effective. So mm-hmm. you can just say, hey, here's a, something came up with DeMar Hamlin. Everybody was saying we should pray. What do you think about that? Mm-hmm. You think that's effective? Do you think it's pointless? You know, is it, you know, it's a, those are the sorts of things that you can kind of ask. You don't have to always draw a conclusion. Sure. You don't always have to end the conversation with the four spiritual laws. <laughs> As we tell our students at some ministries, a lot of times what you're doing is putting a pebble in somebody's shoe. And we all know what that's like. Uh-huh. You can't think about anything else. And it, it could be that question. You know, that's what you stated that you believe, but do you really know that? How do you know that's true? Mm-hmm. You know, what happens if you're wrong? Those kinds of questions can really get people thinking. I love this. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. really good. Well, this is a great resource, and we can continue on with more stuff, and I hope that people will pick this up. Truth Changes Everything, How People of Faith Can Transform the World in Times of Crisis. Dr. Jeff Myers, the author and our guest today. Jeff, great to have you with us, brother. Thank you. Great to be with you guys.